Hey, I'm Mark. Um, thanks for being here today. Um, my family could probably tell you this, but when I don't get a lot of rest, I probably shouldn't speak in public. And so it's been, it's been kind of a weekend, but hey, before we get into the Word, I just want to personally thank every one of you that had anything to do with this weekend. It was a, it was a beautiful day, um, and it could not have happened without the contributions of everybody that was involved. And so, uh, to God be the glory for all that. Let's just give him a hand for all he did yesterday. There's a couple things that are different today. Number one, I didn't type a thing all week. Like I sat down to try to, try to type out my sermon and be all organized. It didn't happen all week. I got my big fat study Bible right here. Nobody preaches with a big fat study Bible, but it's got all my stuff underlined in it. And so today I'm kind of going old school. I got my journal here and I got stuff that I've been writing all week. And we're just going to kind of let the word wash over us today. Okay. Because probably less of me and more of God is a good thing. Amen to that. Can anybody? Yeah. That's hurtful, Travis. Um, We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you have your Bibles, open them up there. Um, about the only other thing that's really different today is I don't have to worry about saying anything offensive that my mom will hear on the internet because she's actually here. But she doesn't hear as good as she used to, so I, th- I think I'm still okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to finish up our series uh, this morning c- called We Greater Than Me. And as I th- thought about the best way to kind of put a bow on this and just talk about unity... I just kept coming back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, we, it's a pretty familiar passage. We've preached it here many times. But we're just going to kind of look at 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 13. And last week, Brock did something I thought was brilliant. You want to hear what it was? You already know what it was, though. You were here, right? He told you the, the outline before he started. He said there are going to be four points, and he gave them to you. So I'm going to do the same so that you know that I'm on script today, okay? Are you ready? Because who knows where I'll go if I don't. There are going to be four things I talk about this morning. The first one is this. Diversity should be a source of our strength, not division. Diversity should be a source of our strength in the church, in the kingdom, not a source of division. Point number two is going to be this. Be careful what you say Because it matters. Be careful what you say because it matters. Are you guys writing this stuff down? This is gold. Number three, we have to learn to trust and value the gifts of others. If we're ever going to have unity in the kingdom, we have to learn to trust and value the gifts of our brothers and sisters. And number four is going to be this. There is still a more excellent way. Apart from all of that, there is still a more excellent way. Four things. Can we agree that we're going to do those things and then we're going to go home? Or go somewhere, but you can't stay here. Okay? Ready? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's see what the Word says. We're going to start in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. 
For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as He chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor, again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our, our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor, honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then miracles, and then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. Chapter 13, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong, clanging cymbal, then if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have and deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly. But then face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. Pray with me. Father, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word. God, 
just want to talk about some, some pretty simple but essential truths today. That if we ever want to really be the church that you've called us to be and impact the world in unity, together, arm in arm, parts of the same body, then we got to stop fighting against each other. Show us some basic things today that might change the way that we look at the person sitting a couple of rows away from us. That we might change the way we look at the person that's sitting in a church around the corner. That we might change the way we look at our brothers and sisters worshiping in, in Haiti and Cambodia and Nicaragua right now. Same body, same spirit, same baptism, same God. Different perspectives. Bind us together as one. Let the world see the picture of unity that you died to give us. And use my feeble words to try to make that happen in this place. I pray that nothing that would be said today would dishonor you in any way. But all the glory would be yours. In Jesus' name. And all God's people say, all right, first thing, point number one, diversity should be a point of strength for us, a source of strength, not division. See, we are one body. You remember a couple weeks ago when I, one of the first shots I had at this series, I talked to you guys about the fact that in Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, rich man, poor man. It was, we're all one in Christ Jesus, right? That is true. But right now, I'm going to tell you, that doesn't change who you are right now. You all come from somewhere, right? I came from Beaumont, Texas. It's a beautiful place. It means beautiful mountains. There ain't a mountain anywhere around there. And it's not that beautiful, if I'm being honest. But it's where I'm from, and I can't change that. I can't change my South Texas roots. I can't change anything about that. But it doesn't have to define the biggest parts of me. See, Brian Williams is from California. We can't hold that against him. It's not his fault. We're all from somewhere. But that doesn't mean that has to be the biggest thing about us. See, this is the deal. Some of you need to meet some people who aren't like you. I'm just going to stop and let that sink in. Because the kingdom is not like a middle school cafeteria. Have you been to a middle school cafeteria lately? For some of us, it's been a long time. But this is what I remember. People herd together with people that are just like them. You got the jock table. And if puberty hadn't happened, you don't go near that table. Right? You'll get beat up for trying to sit at that table. Right? The cheerleader table... You don't want to go anywhere near the cheerleader table unless you got the pom-poms, okay? You got the brainiac table, you got the rebel table, the redneck table, you know, all, and people just kind of go, right? You find people who are like you. Guys, that's how people go to church these days. We learned it in middle school, and we learned that there's safety in, in congregating with people who think like us and look like us. You know what happens if you live your whole life like that? You get a very narrow view of the world. What if all of us were exactly like me? Oh my goodness. But what if they were all like you? It wouldn't be much better. 
We need diversity. We need to surround ourselves with people who think differently than we do, who have a different view of God than we do, and be willing to listen to them. See, if we all thought the same, looked the same, did things the same way, how boring and narrow-minded would the world be? Because there are people that base their whole way of life on protecting Whatever that mindset is, whatever you grew up in, just protecting it at all costs. That's why there's so much hate in the world. Because people are threatened by things that they don't, they're not familiar with. The kingdom will be made up of every tribe, every nation, every language. There aren't going to be sections in the kingdom. We're all going to be one because we're one body, but we're very diverse I started thinking about this a couple of weeks ago when, um, you know what I don't like about Colby Dorsley? Number one, he's so stinking good looking. The biceps make me sick. I could do that if I wanted to. I just don't want to cause any of you to stumble, okay? Colby preaches my sermons better than I do. Like when he, like after I preached that sermon, he, on his little video, he made everybody except in the world, only me, look bad by saying what I said better than I said it, okay? But he said this, he said, while we embrace our diversity, we are one in Christ. And I started thinking, yeah, you are diverse. You're all different, and it's beautiful. Never, never give up on where you came from. God knit you together the way he did, where he did, for a reason, because you have something to offer to the kingdom. But it's not going to happen if you just herd together with people who think exactly like you do. See, diversity should be a source of our strength, not division. One body, different parts. We can't all be hands, we can't all be ears, we can't all be eyes, but we need all of it. Have, okay, I'm like 55 years old. I played golf for a long time yesterday much longer than I should have. Every joint in my body is screaming right now. I feel every one of them. I wish one of them would stop screaming, okay? But you know what happens when you feel great, but then you stub your toe? What's the only thing you can think about? Your toe. Guys, we need each other. When one part suffers, every part suffers. When one part rejoices, every part rejoices. That's the picture. That's why God knit us together. That's why you can't do this life on your own. Even if you think you can, that's not how you were created. We need each other. For some of you, the best thing you could do is go out and find a friend that doesn't look like you, that doesn't think like you. And embrace Proverbs 27, 17, where it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Be willing to let your life rub up against some other people's lives who might think a little differently, holding on to the truth and standing on the truth, but realizing that Paul, when Paul said, I know in part, I don't know everything. Have any of you ever realized you were wrong? I mean, something that you thought you felt deeply about. You figure out, you grow, and you realize, oh, I see that kind of differently now. Guys, that's a part of sanctification. It's okay to admit that. But when we refuse to listen to someone else's point of view, 
because their theology might be a little different than what we grew up with. And we're afraid, what if, they conv- what if, what if I drink the Kool-Aid? You know, what if, guys, stand on the truth, but filter everything through love, okay? See diversity as a gift and not a threat. I have tolerance for a lot of, a lot of sin, way too much. Racism, prejudice, I don't have any, I don't, it makes me want to throw up. Because you know why? Every one of you, no matter who you are, where you're from, you're an image bearer of God. You were created and crafted in the image of God, and how dare I look at you any differently? Don't look at each other differently. I pray that this place looks more and more like the kingdom the longer we do this, okay? Francis Chan had a, had a quote in his book, Until Unity, where he's talking about leaders trying to gather people that agree with them and competing with everyone else and the loudest voice wins or the one who's more, more convincing or can beat someone into submission with their words. Chan says this, If God gives grace to the humble, it's hard to imagine that those who are most accurate would be the most arrogant. Guys, if somebody tries to convince you they know everything, run the other way. They don't know everything. They might know in part, but they don't fully know yet because none of us do. We have to be willing to let our lives rub up against other people's lives and be iron sharpened as iron sharpens iron. Okay, number one, can we move on? What's number one? Were you listening? I'm looking at you. You can't repeat it back, really. Diversity should be a source of strength. No, I'm looking at Wayne Mingy. I'm not looking at you. Just kidding. Number two, be careful what you say because it matters. Be careful what you say because it matters. Where do I get this? It's right there in the passage in 1 Corinthians 12. There are two things that we say. We say things about ourselves, and we say things about other people. Be careful what you say on both counts because it matters. What you say about yourself matters. Say, if, I, if I'm the foot, and if I say because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, that doesn't mean I'm not a part of the body. If I'm a... If I'm, want to be the ears, but I'm not the ears. And I say, well, I'm not the ears, so I'm not a part of the body. That's not true. See, this is what I want you to hear. What you think and what you say and what you feel at any given moment doesn't change the reality of who you are. What you think, what you say, what you feel. See, some of us are so dominated by what we feel in the moment, we think it changes who God is. And we think it changes who God made us to be, and it's not true. Maybe you're jealous that you're not the hand. Maybe you really want to be the foot. And you're, maybe, maybe you wish you could play guitar like Cody. Maybe that's just me talking. But just because I can't, it doesn't mean that I'm not a part of the body. Just because my gift set is different, just because it doesn't seem like it's as important as some others, doesn't, it doesn't change the reality that you're a part of the body. So stop saying things about yourself. Stop beating yourself up about what you're not and embrace what you are. That's the first thing. Then, 
what you say about others matters. Guys, some of us just need to get off social media. Please, just, just do me one favor. Please, some of us just need to, if we're going to be on it, just be positive. Be edifying. It's not a soapbox to air everything you hate about life. Everything that you disagree with. What you say matters. See, in the body of Christ, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. That's what the Bible says. I don't care what you feel about it, how, how much you disagree with somebody else in the body, you cannot say, I have no need of you. Can we agree on that? Not my words. The Apostle Paul, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Why? Because we have need of you. We need each other. And we need to get past petty disagreements that cause disharmony and disunity in the church. And just realize, hey, we're going to share eternity together. Let's get started now. And see if the promises that God made to His church can be fulfilled in us in the way we do our lives. See, there are things that we just should not say. My wife tells me this all the time. You shouldn't have said that. I know. You did it again. I know. There are things in the church between brothers and sisters and families. There are things that we think that we should never say. We just shouldn't because it's not edifying to anyone. This is not my idea. Flip over to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. See, if you ever want practical advice about how to live out spiritual truths that you read, maybe Paul writing about, or in the Gospels, go to James you're probably going to find a practical application. And there's one here, case in point, about there are things you should not say. James chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers. It's probably talking about me, my brothers. For you know we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, also able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. They're so large and driven by strong winds, they're guided by a very small rudder. Wherever the will of the pilot directs, so also the tongue is a small member yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird Reptile, sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. 
From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, sincere. Verse 18, And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Guys, that's beautiful. That should be the call on all of our lives. A harvest of righteousness. Hey, what kind of, what kind of stuff are you growing in the garden of your life right now? Is it peace or turmoil? Is it peace or worry, anxiety? Is it peace or strife? Is it peace or contention? A harvest of righteousness sown in peace by those who make peace. Guys, let that be the call on each of our lives because the tongue is a restless evil. It's a little bit thing. Mine's kind of tied. I'm tongue-tied. I don't know if anybody else here is. It's, It's really bothered me for years. I've made peace with it. But you would think that because my tongue is tied, I wouldn't get myself in such trouble with my tongue, but I still do. When you say as many words as I say, eventually you're going to say the wrong word. Maybe we could just listen more and talk less and see if we don't find God in that. Because from the same mouth, we shouldn't be able to praise God one minute and curse someone that's made in the image of God in the next. Number three. Are we ready? What was number two? I heard Charlie Brown's teacher somewhere in the room. Be careful what you say. It matters. Number three. We have to learn to trust and value the gifts of others. Guys, yesterday we had 117 guys out playing golf. And you would think that 117 grown men could take care of themselves for an afternoon. We can't. It took an army of people with different gifts being willing to make themselves low and serve to make that happen. And it was beautiful. I mean, it's it's amazing to me every time someone, and it happens year after year, somebody plays in the tournament they've never played before and they come up to me after and say, I can't believe how many people you have out here serving. How, you guys just did a great... And they make much of me. I had no, nothing to do with me. Because I don't have all those gifts. 
I mean, if you served out there, you know I don't have those gifts, and that's why you're there trying to keep me from hurting myself. That's the kingdom. Valuing the gifts of other people, realizing that you're wired different than me, and embracing that, and trying to tap into that, and encourage you to use that gift. Guys, that's, that's where unity comes from in the church. See, verse 26 26 says, if one member suffers, everybody suffers. It shouldn't be that some of us are happy and some of us are not. If if you're suffering, I want to suffer with you. If you're rejoicing, I want to rejoice with you. Now, I know we're all kind of on different parts of this path. And it's going to be hard to get everybody on the same page all at one time. But whoever you're with, If they're hurting, don't post your best life on Facebook. Hurt, be willing to hurt with them. See, we don't do, we don't do suffering well. Um, we do crisis very well in the church. I mean, this, this church, I mean, when somebody's in crisis, my, my goodness, I mean, people rise up. It's, it's the prosperity time. It's when there's no one in crisis, we tend to start wandering off, Right? And we, and we think, oh, it's not that important, right? No, rejoice with some people that need to be rejoiced with. Guys, unity means we all suffer, we all rejoice. Be more mindful of the plank in your own eye than the speck in someone else's eye. Guys, if we can ever get to the point where the church is just a little less judgmental and a little more loving, I pray for that day because number four tells me that there is still a more excellent way. Because even if we do the first three things, even if we learn to trust and value the gifts of others, even if we watch what we say because it really matters, even if we embrace diversity as a source of strength, there is still a more excellent way. See, we can do all those things And if we don't do this thing, none of that matters. What am I talking about? I'm talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 13. See, that last little verse in in chapter 12 says, but there is still a more excellent way. And then he starts talking about the way of love. The way of love is greater than excellent words. See, I can't talk you into love. Nobody can. Doesn't matter how eloquent poetry, it can't get you. No matter how eloquent words are, the way of love is greater. Loving people the way Jesus loved us is greater. See, it's greater than prophecy. It's greater than knowledge. It's greater than faith. If you had faith to say, hey, House Mountain moved and House Mountain moved and you didn't have love, the Bible says you're bankrupt. Bankrupt. It means nothing. Faith without love means nothing. See, you can believe in something all you want, but if it's not based on love, your faith doesn't mean anything. You could give everything you own away, but if you're not motivated by the love of Jesus, you're just somebody who used to have a lot of money who gave it all away. See, you're not going to stroke a check to God to pay him off. Because there is still a more excellent way. And it's the way of love. 
You can even give your life up. You can lay your life down for someone. And if it's motivated by anything other than love, Paul says it doesn't mean anything. Guys, if we're ever going to have unity in the church, if, we're, if the world is ever going to see the church fulfill the Great Commission, we got to get back to the most excellent way. And it's really simple. You hear me say it pretty much every time I preach. It's, it's not about keeping rules. It's, not, it's about loving people the way Jesus loves you. And in doing that, we can value diversity as a source of strength. We can tame our tongues and we can only say things that are edifying to people. We can value that you're different than me. And I'm different from you and that doesn't make you wrong and me right. So this is how I'd like to just close this whole series. I want to invite you all to find something to agree on. I want you to think about someone you disagree vehemently with. And I want you to make it your conviction to find something to agree with them on. Something that's true. Something that's foundational. But something you can agree on. Francis Chan in his book, Until Unity, talked about the early church. He talked about them having, uh, having disagreements and, and different theological points of contention. And he talked about the first council of Nicaea coming together and they came up with a creed saying, we might disagree on a lot of things, but we can come together as brothers and sisters and we can agree on this. And this is what they came up with. Maybe this sounds familiar to you. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty Maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We agree on that. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through Him all things were made. We agree on that. It's who Jesus is. For us and for our salvation, He came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, He became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, He was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, He rose again in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And His kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, with the Father and the Son, He is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. See, they didn't agree on a lot of things, but they came to the point saying, hey, on these things, we're going to agree. We will make much of Jesus in this place. Can we agree on that? Can we agree on the things we agree on? And 
let God work the other stuff out because right now we think we know, but we only know in part. We think we know, but we're going to find out down the road. Oh, we're going to see it maybe a little more clearly. One day we'll know it all. But until then, stop acting like you know it all. Pray with me. Father, I pray um, that someone in this place needed to be reminded of what we have in common not what separates us. We thank You that we have You in common and that Your grace covers our sin. And that Your mercy is big enough for all of us to live in. And so may we just love one another the way that You love us, standing on the foundation of Scripture, but realizing that we don't understand everything. And someone else might have a point of view that might lead me closer to You. Father, I pray some people might lay down some prejudice and some pride, some arrogance, and maybe just make themselves really low before you, realizing that your word says that when we humble ourselves before you, you will lift us up. I pray you'd lift some people up today. You'd remind them who they are in you, that they wouldn't be bound by their feelings or what's momentary and circumstantial because it doesn't change the reality of who they are in you. I pray they'd walk fully in that reality and not settle for any lesser one. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.